Welcome to the Unperfected Life Podcast, a place where we get real, we get messy, we get unperfected. So let's get ready to get closer to God. Hey, welcome to a very special episode of Unperfected Life Podcast. It's Easter. But I wanted to tell you about something weird that happened. We were doing an Easter egg hunt and I opened up this Easter egg that I found, so excited, expecting to have some chocolate in there, and it was completely empty. It reminds me of like if you've watched one of those YouTube videos about a new toy or video game or some kind of new tech, and then you've been disappointed when you actually get it home because all those promises didn't actually pan out. Or maybe that it wasn't just as good as what the person on the, the video said it was going to be. You know what I mean? No? Okay, I guess it's just me then. Well, how about this? Have you ever promised to do something nice to someone? Like, be nice to your brother or your sister or that kid down the street when you never intended to follow through? Did I get you there? Well, that, my friend, is an empty promise. Empty promises are not good things for obvious reasons. They hurt feelings, they cause distrust, and they lead nowhere. But what if an empty promise was a good thing? What if I told you that God made some pretty amazing empty promises? And of course, we all know that God is good all the time, and all the time God is good, right? So today we're going to read through a very well-known story in the Bible. And of course, you probably know what story I'm talking about since today is Easter, of course, or Resurrection Sunday, or what I like to call it, shut your mouth devil because we won Sunday. Okay, that's a little long, but it does have a certain je ne sais quoi. I don't remember what that means, but it sounds fancy. Anyways, let's get back to this incredible story and the empty promises that turned out to be pretty amazing. We're going to be jumping around the, bo- the Bible today. We're going to be going through the Gospels and even back to some old, the Old Testament. So make sure you grab your Bible and a parent or someone older that can help you get through these verses. But don't worry, you can always go back and go through the verses later. But I'll give you a few minutes to go ahead and grab your Bible now. Make sure you turn to Isaiah chapter 7. Alright, do you have your Bible and have you turned to Isaiah chapter 7? Great. The first promise we're going to talk about is the promise of an empty womb. So in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14, we read, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. See, God is promising to use an empty womb to save his people. And in Luke chapter 1, verses 30 through 33, we read about the fulfillment of his promise. So go ahead and turn there with me. The scripture says, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him 
the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and the kingdom, his kingdom, there will be no end. I know we all focus on Jesus' crucifixion, death, and resurrection during this time of year, but I wanted to point out that the Easter story actually started well before those three days. In fact, Jesus' victory was prophesied all the way back in Genesis. Don't believe me? Check out Genesis chapter 3, verses f- verse 15. When you have time with your parents later, I'm telling you, it's, it's amazing. God al- always planned this out. So the next promise we're going to look at is an empty throne. You know, like a big fancy uh, seat that a king sets in? If we look at John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and then we go down to verse 14, we'll see that Jesus has always been here. He has never not existed. And I know that's a double negative for all those grammar nerds out there, but you get what I'm saying. Go ahead and turn there now. So it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the, uh, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Then if we go down to verse 14, we see that Jesus is the Word. 14 says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So if Jesus was God, was with God in the beginning, He was already at God's right hand, right? He already was our King. He already had a throne. So then he had to leave his throne when he became fully man and fully God, just so he can fulfill God's plan. So God used the promise of an empty throne, even all the way back in Genesis, to show us how much he loved us and how he was going to make sure that we could be with him forever. All right, that's two empty promises down and we haven't even gotten to the cross yet, but I promise we're getting there, just not yet. I want to talk about this incredible story in John. It's found in chapter 5, verse 1 through 15. It's the story of the man at Bethesda. You can read it later with your parents, but the scripture tells us that Jesus heals this man who had been laying on his mat for 38 years. That's like my entire life. That's like if up until a few months ago, I was still in my crib. That is a long time. I'm not saying I'm old or anything, but okay, I'm just going to leave that there. So Jesus walks up to this guy and heals him in a moment with a word. That empty mat is our promise of healing one day. Complete restoration of what we have lost when we get to heaven. So whatever goes on here, you know, one day Jesus will tell us, get up and do the thing because He's made us whole again. Hey, I wonder if I'm going to finally be able to do a backflip. Hmm. Well, I have never been able to do one before. I wonder how that works. Hmm. Sorry, I'm getting off track again. It's just fun sometimes imagining what it's going to be like to hang out with Jesus and God one day, you know? Anyways, back to the promises. We're finally to the cross. See, I told you we would get there. Go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 20, verses 17 through 18. We're going to see two empty promises mentioned in this passage. Go ahead and read this with me. 
So Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. On the way, he took his 12 aside and said to them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death, and he will be handed over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. Did you catch that? Jesus is promising them the, an empty cross and an empty tomb. So let's dive into those for a moment. First, when Jesus died on the cross and he was removed from it, he left that empty cross. But that empty cross isn't just wood. It's a reminder that God promised his son as a sacrifice for our sins. That empty promise means salvation. And then Jesus didn't stop there with this beautiful gift for us. He also promised an empty tomb. He defeated sin, death, and the grave for us. So do me a favor and turn to Isaiah chapter 25, verses 7 through 8. I'm, I know we're going back to the Old Testament again, but I want to show you. It says, On this mountain he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all people, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. It's telling us that Jesus is defeating death and the grave. Now turn to Psalms chapter 16, verse 10. It's just a little bit back from Isaiah. So David is saying in the scripture, for you will not leave my soul, uh, soul among the dead and allow the Holy One to rot in the grave. David knew that this empty tomb not only meant that Jesus lives, but that he'll live again one day. These empty promises mean eternal life. Now that is a reason to celebrate. Shut your mouth, devil, because we won Sunday. Okay, I know it's still way too long. I guess we'll stick with Resurrection Sunday. It's short, it's sweet, and it gives the important part of the story. Our God's not dead. Okay, I want to leave you with one last scripture, and it's found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 5 through 7, and it says, Then the Lord spoke to the women, Don't be afraid. He said, I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't there. He has been raised from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come see where his body was lying, and now go quickly and tell the disciples, he has been raised from the dead, and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember, I have told you. So regardless of where you're at right now, it doesn't matter if you're dressed up at a big church service or if you're hunting Easter eggs. Those things don't really matter. What matters is right here in the scripture. Jesus isn't in the tomb. He lives. So... Today, while you're at home with your family, read through the, the Bible. Read through chapter 28 in Matthew. Talk about what his resurrection means to you and your family. Talk about everything that God's given to you. Let's focus on what we have and, what, and not what we don't. Church, big church services and having fun with our friends is amazing. But when it comes down to it, the real reason for Easter... 
is that Jesus is not in the tomb. Our God's not dead. So remember, be real, be you, be unperfected. I'll see you next week.